Today, we're gonna to talk about conversion rate and how to increase it through listing optimization and images. Now, the person we're talking to is so good at this, some of his products have over a 100% conversion rate. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. What happens when you've grown your Amazon business as much as you can and don't have the time or resources to take it to the next level? That's where Thrasio comes in. Thrasio acquires category-leading FBA brands from small business owners just like you and specializes in taking your brand to new heights while you profit from the growth. When you sell your business to Thrasio, your deal could include a long-term earnout, meaning you profit when your brand grows under their management. So if you're thinking about selling your FBA business, visit Thrasio.com slash Helium10 to connect with Thrasio's deals team. That's T-H-R-A-S-I-O dot com slash Helium10 for more information on if your brand is a good fit for Thrasio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show. That's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon or Walmart world. Uh, we've got somebody uh, coming to us from, actually, where are you at now? You know, you're in Philippines, you're, I see you in Texas, I see you in uh, in Brazil. Where are you even at, Anthony? You know, right now I'm on the East Coast of the United States in a little town called Haver de Grace, Maryland, and I'm actually at my parents' house. Ah, okay. Is that is that where you're from? That's where I grew up. Yeah, it's my hometown. Okay, cool, cool. Now we're gonna get into some strategies. You're one of the guest instructors in Freedom Ticket, and we've been featuring uh, instructors uh, to kind of like give people a tease uh, of Freedom Ticket 3.0 and their modules. And you had some really great stuff uh, about listing optimization and conversion. Um, optimization and um, you know you had some pretty interesting numbers in there that, that we're going to talk about. We're not going to give give it all away. You know, obviously we got to leave some for people who get into the course. But before we get into that, let's, you know, I think this is your first time uh, on the show, so let, let's talk a little bit about your 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 history. Like, how did you get into uh, e-commerce in the first place? When and where and why? Yeah. So when I was back, I, when before I dropped out of college, I was going to the University of Florida, and I was Gator. good friend. Yeah, yeah, go Gators. I, I was a good friend with a guy who was uh, running the entrepreneurship club. And one day he gave me a call and said, hey, we got these free tickets to uh, an e-commerce event in in Orlando. And this, these people, startup bros, I guess he reached out and was like, we're poor college kids. Can you hook us up with some tickets? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know anything about e-commerce. And he said, no, you got to come. Damon John is going to be there from Shark Tank. And uh, I had an accounting exam the next day. But Long story short is I ended up uh, skipping that accounting exam and kind of jumping into this world of e-com. Didn't know anything about it. The the guys at Startup Bros were generous enough to hook us up with some free tickets. And that was kind of my uh, how I jumped into the world. So I, I started learning about selling online and learned how to sell online. That was back well before there was, you know, courses like, you know, Freedom Ticket or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so we were just kind of working on Google Docs and different things. And um, I had landed a job at Amazon after doing an internship, and uh, I knew that I wanted to launch my first product before I started a full-time job because it could provide some extra income while I was working full-time. And so I went and launched a product. I started working full-time at Amazon. And then after working at Amazon for about a year, the same guy who had taught me how to sell uh, e-com, how to sell FBA, was like, why don't you quit your job at Amazon, move out to the Philippines and help me scale a creative agency? So 
Um, even being a college dropout, I knew that was going to be a little bit of a crazy idea, but I knew I'd end up regretting it. So I quit my job, moved out, scaled a creative agency for a couple of years. And uh, after selling that in 2019, ended up with PicFu. And that's mm-hmm. kind of my quick rundown of my story. Nice. Where, whereabouts in Philippines did you end up? In Manila. Yeah, just in, uh, we, we had a studio at first in Quezon City. And then mm-hmm. uh, also later we, we relocated down to Makati. I also lived in Cebu for about three months. Ooh, uh, pretty well. out there. Yeah. Did you know that I'm half Filipino? I do. Yeah, I do know that. Yep. Yep. So I loved, uh, uh, I love my first time out in the Philippines was actually, I was way late in, in life. I hadn't, I hadn't been there until I was in my thirties and, um, went to do a Zumba class in Quezon City. My mom is from Pasay City. And so we, uh, we, uh, I love it out there. I can't wait to uh, get back. It's been, uh, they finally announced, I don't know if you heard, but they finally announced that there's no more quarantine or uh, as of a certain date, there's going to be no more quarantine for people to uh, go. That's why I haven't uh, been in, in a couple of years, um, but I definitely want to get back there. Do you miss the, do you miss the food? I miss it. I miss it so much. At first, I didn't really, my taste buds couldn't handle Filipino food, but once mm-hmm. you really start to eat it, then you, you get accustomed to it. So I really miss Sinigang is my favorite. And oh, Bolo. yes. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would always, you know, go for some sisig and some lechon, adobo, lumpia, pancet. But yeah, uh, Sinigang is one of my go-to meals. All right. But we're not here to talk about uh, <laughs> Filipino food. We want to talk about uh, e-commerce and, and namely Amazon. And uh, I saw you, you know, present at Billion Dollar Summit recently, and then you also are in the Freedom Ticket. And I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your your conversion rate tactics because that's something that not a lot of people uh, talk about. But before we get into that, you know, you did mention you work at PickFu now, and and we've we've had Justin on here a couple times. We've talked about, uh, you know, how Helium Ten audience is is helping people, which integrates PickFu. For those who might be new listeners, let's talk about just that. Uh, first, so a Helium 10 audience powered by PicFu. Uh, ex- for those people who are brand new, explain what that does and why you think it's important that Amazon sellers utilize it. Yeah, sure. So PicFu or audiences, if you're going to go through Helium 10, which is it's the exact same thing, I recommend just use it through mm-hmm. Helium 10. Um, it's really just quick access to market research. And so basically, if you think about how larger companies have been doing marketing and product development since the beginning of time, very rarely is it one person who's sitting in a room and says, okay, here's what we're gonna do for the marketing strategy. Here's what we're gonna do for the new product launch. And they just pick it with one person, go with their gut and then see how it flies in the market, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. since the beginning of time has been doing market research. What PickFu created is a platform that allows normal individual business owners, regardless of the size of their company to get access to that market research very, very quickly. And so the real benefit of it is rather than just going with your gut or going to your your partner or your spouse and saying, hey, babe, what do you think about this logo? What do you think about this product design? You're able to now expand your own kind of framework for that decision beyond yourself. And you can open it up to 50, 100, 500 people. And so basically what we find is that you reduce a lot of risk in trying to go and expand the survey size beyond yourself, basically. And there's some really, really powerful techniques, which I'm sure we're going to talk about today that you can use it for visual optimization and to really go through multiple iterations of revision after revision. And you'd be really surprised with where you'll go if you do that based on external feedback, not just based on the feedback of yourself or your creative team. Okay, cool. So guys, if you want more information on that, uh, go to h10.me 
forward slash uh, audience, and then you can find some more great information. I use that on a weekly basis. Uh, I just uh, launched uh, three or four products last week, uh, some kind of like fun test products on on Project X, and I used uh, audience in order to see what the best main image would be. And like usual, it wasn't what I probably would have picked if I was just uh, going on on my own uh, knowledge. And so it's really important to get the the, uh, the you know feedback from actual customers on Amazon because a big mistake that Amazon sellers, in my opinion, make is they rely too much on their own knowledge and they say, okay, yeah, this is how people search. This is the image that that looks the best. And this is why, why people would use this product most. And, and this is the price point that I would pick, et cetera, et cetera. And sure, you know, there are a lot of people out there maybe like you, but maybe you guys are the minority. Maybe you're only 10% of the people think like you. You want to go with what the majority uh, would, would go with. And, and that's how, you know, tools like PickFu and Audience can help you. Now, one interesting thing that you know stands out to me from you know the recent presentations I've seen you you give is you talk about something um, I, I already teased it a little bit, but but that most people don't say is the most important thing to them. So to you, what's the most important thing when we talk about um, you know how you can see your or gauge how successful you're going to be on Amazon? Well, it's it's a one word thing that you keep mentioning. Yeah, I, I'm talking always about conversion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So number one, Amazon sellers, you know, maybe who have not looked at this, how can they even know what their conversion or conversion rate is on Amazon? What what does Amazon provide and how can they find it? Yeah, well, first is Amazon doesn't call it conversion. They're going to call mm -hmm. it unit session percentage. Uh, you can go and see that inside of your business reports. It's pretty easy to find. You can find it for a specific day or over a, a period of time. And unit session percentage is just basically saying, okay, for the number of sessions, for the number of people that come to your listing, what's the percentage of time that they actually buy the product? And some more, I guess, serious sellers might know this, but you can actually have a unit session percentage in excess of 100%. Uh, if you have a product, for example, where people are buying multiple quantities, they might come to the listing and instead of buying one, they buy two or three. You can definitely see some very, very high unit session percentages. Based on my understanding, and I'm, I'm not an expert when it comes to the Amazon algorithm, but based on my understanding, the, the algorithm in terms of long-term ranking and in terms of like how you're actually positioned mm -hmm. um, in search results is going to be a large portion of that factor, which is unit session percentage, because Amazon basically wants to know if we put your product in front of a customer, what's going to be a win for Amazon, right? It's them buying the product and obviously the customer having a good long-term experience with the product, not returning it. But if we show this to someone, what's the probability that they're actually going to add it to the cart, that they're actually going to buy the product? And so it's an important metric. Okay. Now, you know, I think, you know, part of that people might've skimmed over, but the, the thing that blew my mind, I'll say, let, let, let's talk about it a little bit more, but a, a session rate over a hundred percent, you know, like, What's the average out there that you think, you know, if, if nobody really has paid attention to this or maybe they're not that great, like what do you think uh, is the number that most sellers are going to see when they go into uh, into it? Yeah, I ask a lot. I always try to ask people anytime I'm, I'm hopping on a call. Generally, I, I'd say I'm, I'm seeing 20 to 30 percent. I'd say that I'm probably a little bit on the skewed side because most of the people I'm talking to are, are quite well-established sellers. I'm actually blown away sometimes with how big accounts are actually in the 30% or sub 30% range. If you're a new seller and you're doing a not very good job, and I don't mean to say that in a mean way, but sometimes yeah, you yeah. just start off and uh, you might be like sub 20%. With that being said, the, the number I always try to shoot for Bradley is if you look at the average conversion rate of an Amazon Prime shopper, it's about 75%. 
um, which is kind of crazy to even say out loud. And so for mm -hmm. me personally, when I'm trying to optimize a listing, if I see something that's below 65%, I believe, okay, unless this is a very specific product, like it's a home decor item where people are naturally going to shop around and they're shopping based on design, you're going to see a lower conversion rate. I'm really trying to say, can I get all of my listings for either products that I sell or products that I manage? Can I get those above 65%? And now you personally, you know, in your, in your, you know, uh, products that you've had, or when you're looking at other people's accounts, when that conversion rate goes up, what are, I mean, are, are there some positive effects, uh, you see, I mean, obviously a conversion rate in itself is a positive effect, but, but, you know, do, do you see page ranking increase? Do you, do, uh, you know, what, what's happening when you see, is there a domino effect at all? Uh, absolutely. Right. I think conversion rates, just a starting point, but we're going to obviously see higher overall sales. Generally, uh, we'll see that, uh, the ranking over time is going to go up. We can actually kind of look at that. And I won't get into it too much, but like, yeah, as we're increasing conversion rate, it doesn't happen right away. But if you can maintain that conversion rate over time, uh, you're going to see generally what I've seen is you're going to see your rank go up. Um, you're going to also be running more efficient campaigns, right? Because then sometimes we'll even tailor things that are in the image gallery to match uh, if it's a very specific campaign that we're running for pay-per-click. Uh, to try to match and see, can we, you know, can we, can we get those numbers higher as well? But I mean, I, I look generally at conversion, but you're just going to see higher overall sales as well. You know, mm -hmm. just better all around. Okay. All right. Now let's start talking about what somebody could do. Cause this is not something that you just snap your fingers. Oh, look, my conversion rate is better. I mean, it's, it's a malt. There's not one, there's not just one only thing that, that will do it. It's probably a, uh, you know, stacking a number of different strategies. And that's, that's what this podcast is all about strategy. So let, let's hit, you know, let's not go over all of them. You know, I, I know you have tons of them in, in freedoms to get, but let, let's talk about some of the main ones that you think somebody just now who hasn't really paid too much attention to this metric, what are like, you know, the top, let's go over what top three steps that people can start taking. Yeah. So the, the first thing I would say the biggest one is to really understand really understand one concept. And that is by the time someone gets to shopping on Amazon, by the time they type in the search term into the search bar, the biggest thing that people need to understand is that when someone does that, they have the intent to buy the product, right? So let's say I'm searching for, I want to buy a red spatula. I pull out my laptop, I pull out my tablet, I pull out my phone, I type in red spatula. What you need to understand is that person they will be buying a red spatula, right? It's going to happen. Or at least 75% of the time, you know, if they're a prime shopper, they're mm -hmm. going to buy the red spatula. The question becomes, are they going to buy your red spatula or are they going to buy one of the other competitors that is selling a very similar product? And so mm -hmm. the first thing that you really need to understand is when someone is on Amazon, they have the intent to buy the product and they will buy the product. The default for that person is for not for them to buy the product. It is for them to bounce. It's to open up many different tabs until they find the one that feels right. That seems like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. I'm not going to have any issues. And then they're going to add it to their cart. And so mm -hmm. I guess like the biggest tactic is like understanding that. Once you understand that, then you want to start to understand what are the, the barriers. This is step two. Like what are the barriers or the, the things that someone, their brain needs to, to satisfy before they add to cart. So if I'm searching for a red spatula, I don't know, this is a very simple product, but the human brain, right? They know they wanna buy a spatula and now they just need yeah. confirmation that like, this looks like a reputable seller, this red spatula is gonna have the things that I need it to do. Maybe there's like design features or an ergonomic handle or that it's dishwasher safe, whatever it is. And then the last thing before they're gonna click add to cart is they're just gonna, they need to understand, okay, 
if this is the first tab that I opened, or maybe this is the fourth tab that I opened, what is going to solidify in my brain that this looks to be a reputable seller, right? That this is not mm -hmm. going to give me any issues after I buy it. And so the third step is, okay, if the first step is understanding that someone has the intent to buy, second step is understanding what are all the things that the brain needs to check off before they add to cart. The third step is presenting all of this information, giving it right to them, giving it right to their brain to help them solidify and solve that equation in their brain that yes, this is what I'm looking for. Let me go to add it to my cart. And how you're going to do that last third step is all about what I call visual optimization. And that is what can you do visually on your listing, whether that's your images, your A plus, your video, including your text as well, like your bullet points. What can you do to as efficiently as possible communicate the the those little steps, those little check boxes in the customer's head so that they can add the product to the cart? Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Now, you know, you, you mentioned uh, going over having that, you know, more than 100% conversion rate, uh, you know, it's coming from people buying more units. What are some tips and tricks as far as how you can, I don't know if I want to say incentivize, but, but how you can drive people to buy, you know, one more. And I'm assuming some, some kind of product, it doesn't make sense. Like we, we've got a, uh, you know, a coffin shelf at helium 10 and you know, like if, you probably only need one coffin shelf, but, but like, you know, if you have, you know, shampoos or other consumables, or I know there's tons and tons of products that this would work for. What are some of those tactics? The the biggest one I'd say there is place a lot of emphasis on the second image in the in image gallery, the second or third image that's going to emphasize that point. Um, one really good one is not many people are in a category like this, but if you are, you go into your business reports and you see that like any amount of sales are coming from B2B people with Amazon mm -hmm. business accounts are actually buying that product. Um, then you're, you know, that's like a slam dunk right off the bat uh, yeah. because, you know, most of the business to business sales, they're going to be buying more than one because they're buying for a restaurant or a hair salon or something like that. Um, but basically what I'm going to do is like, if I have a giftable item, if I have uh, you know, a business item, I'm just going to make that second graphic and I'm, I'm going to come up with a few different versions with my creative team. And I'm going to say, go make me like two to three versions. Like if I have a giftable item, we're getting to Q4, right? So you might say, Hey, this is the perfect gift for the sci-fi fan in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're going to come up with a few different versions of that graphic. Maybe one you showed as a stocking stuffer, maybe another one you show it as like for someone's birthday. I, I don't know. And you're just going to go like two, three different versions, and then you're going to run that through PickFu, like a wide creative concept, and then just mm -hmm. narrow it down. But you're going to, you know, encourage a friend to basically, if it's a giftable item, buy this for another friend, but keep it really yeah. simple. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Now, what's some, you know, something, I don't know if you made up this, uh, this word, uh, but it was interesting, the concept behind it, but I think it was like a, what speed scanning, I think you had said. Yeah. Yeah. Freedom ticket. Well, can, can you explain that? Yeah, yeah, I love. Okay, so this is th this is something that I've been doing for a while, and it just centers around the concept. And maybe I'll get some flack for this, but I don't really believe there's anything in this world. There's no such thing as an original idea. Everything is just an iteration uh, of something that's happened in the past, right? Or there's very. It's at least it's not necessary to have an original idea in ecom. Most of us are selling products that. Uh, like anywhere on Amazon, like, you know, you didn't invent the coffin shelf. I didn't invent a red spatula. I'm just trying to present it in a way that's going to, to work really well. And so the whole concept of speed scanning is just basically, we have some natural inclination to be able to, if we look at something, we can, we can say, Hey, does this look good? Does this not look good? And so basically, if I'm trying to speed scan, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to see as many images as possible. So I'm going to get a VA or someone on my creative team 
to go and just look at high ranking products for just like any random product. And then I'm going to have them go and download the entire image gallery. And I'm going to have them go probably like 10 pages deep in the search results and just download everything. Uh, then what I'm going to have them do is, is start to categorize those image by images by type. So imagine if one type of graphic is like a sizing infographic just to show sizing. And another type is like a product anatomy with little arrows that point to, okay, this is this part of the product and it does this. And then another mm -hmm. graphic is like a lifestyle image and then a lifestyle image with text. And basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to get them to compile these folders of different images in like a Google Drive. And when it's all ready, I'm going to have them send me the link. And then I'm going to do, this is where the speed scanning part comes in, is I'm going to click, 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 click. And most of them are not going to be good. But every like one in five or potentially one in 10, you're going to be like, wait a minute, what is that? And your brain, mm -hmm. because your brain is processing these images very quick, you're going to say, that's an interesting concept. And you're going to save it. And so basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to expose my brain to a very, very wide range of images and then start to identify, okay, this image looks good, but what is it inside the image that is particularly interesting? And how can I leverage that same kind of concept into my own image gallery? Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. What are some other ways that, let's just keep it to Amazon first before we go off Amazon but that people can get uh, inspiration for for you know helping with their optimization. I really personally, you know, I've I've been living abroad for a while, so I, I took a break from this. But I've been coming back to visit my family here in Maryland much more often. And what I really like are magazines, and I like physical magazines. I know you can get the digital versions, but magazines are really cool because you can you can get subscriptions to these things for pretty much no money at all, and you can find these magazine sites. And so I'll just have a bunch of different magazines shipped to me. It's kind of like a nice day when they come in or when, when I get back from a trip and I'll, ch I'll check them out. And I'm doing the same thing. I'm just like flipping through the pages in the magazine. And then in every magazine, especially more like lifestyle home goods ones, I'll see something that's really interesting. And I'll either like rip out the page or I'll take a picture of it with my phone and I'll send it to my designer, my photographer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cool thing is like, if you can create something that looks as good as it does in a magazine, like a national leading brand, and you can put that up on an Amazon listing, it's gonna not only look good, but it's gonna really give a lot of confidence to the customer. So ma magazines are a really good one, gearing towards like fitness, lifestyle, health. You can probably find magazines that are really, maybe not like if you're selling spatulas, you're not gonna see a magazine on spatulas, but you're gonna see 20 different magazines on, on cooking, right? And so you can find something that's in the parallel to your niche. And you'll get so many ideas from there. And I could go on all day about magazines, not just for the images, but even for like, if you're in a, in a, in a niche for fishing, you start to yeah. see the same names over and over again for these fishing celebrities. And then if you want to reach out to them for to do, you know, these sponsorship deals, or I mean, there's just a lot in magazines. It's like the original media type before there was blogs and um, they're still very strong, I think, in a lot of categories. Okay, cool. So now, now you've got some other, uh, you know, uh, tactics on this subject. So guys, if you want to, listen to more about that, make sure to go into, I think it's like week eight uh, of Freedom Ticket 3.0 and you can get more. But the other, you, you talked about another topic I wanted to touch on a little bit too uh, in Freedom Ticket and that was you know about, about images. And uh, you had some really good points about especially the main image. And, and, and you know, that conversion rate is great, but you can have 75% conversion rate and you get 10 views a day and, and okay, this is not that, this is uh, not that uh, wonderful. You know, you want to get more people to first get even click into your listing in order for you to even have, you know, a good conversion rate. So we all know, you know, title price, uh, obviously those are important, but what are some tactics about 
sticking out, I guess, you know, like what would you say with the main image so that you can start getting more clicks from the search results or, or sponsored results into your listing? Probably the easiest way and the, the most straightforward from a TOS compliance standpoint is to add product packaging into your main image. Um, and because product packaging is a really clever way that if you design it well- I thought that's you, against terms of service. Well, so here's the thing, right? Is it, it really depends on the product category. You can go into Seller mm -hmm. Central and pull up the main image requirements in terms of service. And the one that I actually see as the most prevalent for at least a lot of the products that I sell in is what mm -hmm. it says word for word in the terms of service is that the, the, the main image must not contain gratuitous or confusing additional objects. And so I think mm -hmm. what Amazon is really trying to do is they're trying to uh, avoid scenarios where people are putting these clickbait, these decals, um, but it's very clear in other product categories. I'll give a really good example here. It's like if you're selling a glow in the dark item and you go to the first page of search results, you'll actually find that a lot of the competitors don't have the product on a white black background. They have it on a black background. And so why does Amazon allow this, right? Amazon is writing the most streamlined version of the terms of service that's going to apply generally to every single product that's sold, which is, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of products, right? And so mm -hmm. they're just putting in the terms of service and they're looking for you as a seller to make the best decision about what's going to be the best in regards to the customer experience. And so okay. it would make sense that Amazon is going to kind of turn their head on uh, glow-in-the-dark products because it's much better for the customer to see, oh, this is on a black background. I can see the glow. I can see the light versus trying to put it on a white background. And so it's the same thing as like, okay, you can use product packaging and you can add that in. Another thing that a lot of people do is they're putting in this eye candy into the main image. Like uh, in my in Freedom Ticket, you'll see there's like a picture of an apple peeler. And it's like not only showing the, the apple being peeled off, but it's showing the apples next to it. And so you got to ask yourself, right? If I just see this apple peeler on a white background, I might yeah. get confused as a customer and think, is this a tool that I'm going to see in my workshop? No, I can see the apple be being peeled off. And on the same point to the terms of service, how it's written, it's not confusing. It's not, it's not extra. It's not gratuitous. No one's going to order the apple peeler and be like, well, damn, <laughs> where's my apples? You know, yeah. that's probably not going to happen. And so if you can inform early on, like what the, what the customer is getting and how the, that product relates to their life to make sure that they have found the right product, uh, I think that's very safe. If you're going to add in these little decals, like back in the day, I remember on my own products, we'd put in the little, it was like the two pack with the Amazon logo. I mean, it's just distracting. It's just like a clickbait uh, visual trick. If you're doing that, that that's really risky. I wouldn't recommend doing that. But the, the thing is with main images as well and main image violations, and I'm happy to tell everyone, I, I, I put up images all the time that get suppressed. And we upload and re-upload and upload and re-upload, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't lead to an account suspension. It doesn't lead to any negative health effects. And so I'm very bullish on pushing the lines in terms of what Amazon's going to allow. Uh, and if it's going to help me in the short term, I mean, it's probably not like the most gray hat stuff, but like if Amazon was strict about it and they said, if you violate terms of service in this way, then you're going to get suspended. I wouldn't mess around with it. But Amazon yeah. knows like they're just trying to test and see what works and they're going to see, you know, and it's clear in some categories if every seller is doing the exact same thing and putting in this eye candy or you have a fitness product and you're showing a, like a sports bra and you have a model wearing it versus it just sitting flat on a background, like what do you think is going to be better for the customer? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I, I like it. Now, what, like, what, what's your opinion on 3D renderings versus, you know, really nice 
photography. I mean, I think the, the thing, obviously, I didn't put an option is is just kind of like basic photography. Like, uh, we really need something good. So between those two, what's your preference? Well, I'm a little bit biased on this. And when I was watching the, uh, when I was watching, I think it was your Instagram stories and you guys were doing the, look like some DIY uh, product photography inside of the box. I believe it was like the egg tray or the, the coffin mm-hmm. shelf. You know, I wanted oh, to yeah, reach. Yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to reach out because I saw those and they look like good images. But um, I, I'm an advisor of a very, very small 3D rendering agency, and I won't drop the name here. I'm not trying to promote it or anything like that. But um, I was blown away with how good that technology is getting. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say, in the vast majority of products, especially if you're working on a limited budget, 3D renders are absolutely going to be better than real photography. Um, there's a few scenarios where it's not better, but Generally, it's going to be faster and it's going to be cheaper. Um, if you look at a, a, a company like IKEA, 75% of their product catalog is renderings. Uh, it's definitely where wow. the future is going. It's the, the technology gets better and better every year. And um, especially if you have like products with high volume variations, like you have supplements and the only difference is the labels between the bottles or you know things like that. 3D renderings are a game changer and you're going to see more and more sellers use them for sure. Okay. Now, what is what is required to even do that? So like, I want to get a 3D rendering of my coffin shelf, right? Mm-hmm. Do I like, do I do I need, just need to take pictures front, back, and side and send it to somebody? Do I actually have to send them the full product and they do some kind of advanced imaging? What does it take to, to get it done? I'd say for 90% of the time, if you're selling a standard product, it's going to be, yeah, 90% of the time, you're well, the, the simplest thing is if you have any injection molded product, anything that's like a plastic product, uh, your manufacturer is my, most likely going to have a step file, which is an ISO, I believe, 303 uh, assembly file. And it's basically like how they would put it together at the factory. Uh, the mm-hmm. easiest way is you can just request from your manufacturer, hey, I'm getting renders done. Can you provide me with the step file? You send yeah. that over to the rendering agency. They plug it into their program. And then it's like 90% done. Uh, the other thing is, like I'd say the other you know, most products are going to be available in a template library. So you don't even have to build it out from scratch. So think like pretty much any supplement bottle, the the coffin shelf, anything like that, like it probably exists somewhere in someone's library, right? Uh, If not, Mm -hmm. you can just build things from scratch. And so you can obviously build any product uh, custom from scratch that gets a little bit more expensive, but like something like a a coffin shelf or if it's like any kind of plastic product is, is remarkably easy to do. Yeah. Okay. And then What's the price difference in like, hey, uh, I want to uh, have a a decent photography studio to to just at least let's just talk about the white background pictures, you know, like maybe, you know, you should get probably at least a couple white background uh, pictures for your your listing. What's the going rate these days? I don't even know myself, you know, like like you said, we, we've got our own photography staff here at yep. Helium 10. So whenever I have a new product, I just give it to them and, and they do it for free. Um, but what does somebody have to pay for a decent white background image? And then what would that, um, cost be for uh, a 3d rendering? So I think if you really want to do it, you know, comparing it to white background photography, the, the only company that I really think does an amazing job every single time, if you're looking for an agency, uh, is a company called products on white pal. They, they just do amazing work. I think they charge, I don't know, 40 or 30 or $40 an image. Uh, just for white background, and you can kind of go and use those ac- across your listings. So I'd say like on the low end for white background photography, unless you get a box and do it yourself, you, you're probably looking, if, if you're under that two, $300 range, you could probably mm-hmm. get it done cheaper, but 
you, you might be you might be running through some different quality. With renders, it's probably similar to that. If you go on to Fiverr or Upwork, you can get pretty convincing renders done for under a hundred bucks. And though once the cool thing about rendering is once the model is made, most rendering artists aren't going to say, hey, it was $100 for the model and then start charging yeah. you a bunch extra for each image because they just go and you know render the output. Um, so on the low end, like $100, it's kind of with anything, you're going to get what you pay for for $100. Uh, when you start getting into like the two, $300 range, uh, then you're going to start just getting more realistic effects on like the perspective on lighting. If you're going to try to drop these things into a lifestyle scenario, uh, then it's you're going to want probably like a higher, you know, probably a higher price mm -hmm. point than like... Uh, than that but um you know i, I don't know like pr you probably like five five to eight hundred dollars all in for the product but we're also talking in that case about you're going to start you're going to be getting into like lifestyle scenes and so back when i had my uh my previous agency if someone wanted to do like a full-on lifestyle photography shoot it was not just the cost of the team it was the cost mm -hmm. of like where it's going to be and this was in the philippines like you know, $300 to hire a European model, uh, you know, a Caucasian model for the day. And then we're going to get an Airbnb with a kitchen, which is, you know, $300. And then we got to buy everyone lunch. And so like, I don't think you can get a good lifestyle shoot done even uh, on, a, on a company working uh, offshore, like, uh, you know, outside of the, the States, at least, you're probably going to spend $1,500 to two grand. And so that's where uh, rendering is going to be a lot cheaper in the overall cost mm. is when you're trying to do like lifestyle uh, as well as like if you for certain products, if you have like a very large item or you have something with a lot of variations, um, that's when it's really going to be, you know, because now you're just changing the color of the product and you can just like pop this thing anywhere you want once the model's built. Nice. Nice. All right. Uh, well, we, we do something on the show we call the uh, or the, you know, which actually comes from my Filipino background. That's how my mom used to call me. Bradley, come over here. But uh, TST, it stands for on this show, uh, 30 Second Tip. So you've been giving us, you know, tips and strategies throughout the episode. But if you were to pick something um, new that we haven't said today, maybe takes 30 or 40 seconds or less to say, what would that be that can uh, help our listeners have an easy win on Amazon? Okay, slam dunk easy win in 30 seconds is start for the love of God, start using manager experiments inside of Seller Central. It is a free mm. split testing tool. You can use it to test your title, your main image, or your A-plus content. I recommend starting with either main image or A-plus content. It's really easy to do. It takes five seconds to set up. Maybe not five seconds, but five minutes to set up. But the thing is, these tests take four weeks to run. And so if you start this now, you're not going to get rich quick, but you might get one or 2% every test. And then the thing yeah. is, your competitors can't catch up. You can It just takes time to run these. And so you've got like a five-minute investment of your own time, aside from getting some different creative assets. Um, but yeah, start using that. Because if you can pick up like 1% to 2% on these tests every month, and you do that for six months, like you're going to be in a, a drastically better position. And I've talked to every agency owner that I know. I've talked to a lot of big sellers, and very, very few people are using this. All right, cool. I like it. So, guys, make sure you, uh, if you have brand registry, make sure you take advantage of that right away. All right. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, people can can see you on the interwebs at you know PickFu, and then we have Helium Ten audience here. But uh, you got any social media or anything that you could uh, you know give out so that people can find you elsewhere? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, uh, people can find me on Instagram. It's just at Anthony Kofran. I, I, it's not really anything super interesting. I just like flying my drone and, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much it. So it's not really e-com related, but if you want to hit me up there or just shoot me an email, Anthony at pickfu.com. Awesome. All right, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for your freedom ticket modules and we'll definitely be in touch in the future. Thanks so much, Bradley.